Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 4. Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ will give thee light. And we know the Lord will add his blessing to this small reading of a small portion of his word. Sleep. Do you like to sleep? I like to sleep. Since I've gotten older, I've found that a nap is one of the most thrilling and satisfying things a person can get involved in. Sleep. I can remember when I used to work at a factory, we had to go to bed at midnight, had to be up about 5 o'clock, get ready to go to work. I remember calculating how many minutes of sleep I would get that night. And sometimes I would think, if I could get in, sleep, get in bed right now and go to sleep immediately, I could sleep for so many minutes, so many hours. And oh, how delicious it would be. When that alarm would go off in the morning, it was the most hated thing to hear. And then the worst thing you could have was a snooze button. Nine minutes of snooze. Nine, nine, nine. Run that, wear that snooze button out. Sleep is something that we really like. It, it's very satisfying. And as a kid, you hate to sleep. And as a grown person, you kind of, uh, you don't mind sleeping. The funny thing about sleep is that you'll even go on vacation just so you can sleep. <laughs> sleep. I know a person last year who was driving a car not far from here. And while they were driving, having been deprived of sleep, their body, their flesh crying out for sleep, the appetite was so strong for some rest that they fell asleep driving the, wheel, driving the car at the wheel and crashed into a guardrail. I mean, it's just people fall asleep. Sleep is such a powerful thing. Sleep is something that we really want. And once we are asleep, it's a condition in which we want to stay. Have you ever been asleep and been woken up by something? And when you woke up, you literally woke up on the wrong side of the bed? Or you woke up intellectually, mentally, emotionally, just ticked off because you were awakened from a sleep? We've, we have neighbors, and our one neighbor has dogs. Our other neighbor does not have dogs. And our one neighbor, he has some kids and grandkids. And we've lived there long enough that his kids have, when they were at home, about every Friday night, they would have some pretty nice parties over there. And they're a, a Latino family, and they would have the uh, uh, Tejano music playing and, you know, a nice beat going over there. And, and they'd be drinking and stuff, you know. And, 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 and what, what right have I to go tell my neighbors, knock your party off? Well, I don't really feel like I had any right to do that until about 11, 30, 12. <laughs> I was cool with them jamming and having a good time until about midnight. And I thought, you know, midnight's time to wind it all down. You go to sleep, you know, and be wakened by these things. One night I was awakened to noise from the driveway of their home. And uh, the two brothers were out in the driveway duking it out, knocking each other around. And the mom was out there yelling at them. And I went out there and said, I'm trying to sleep over here. You want me to call the police? She said, please. <laughs> she didn't want to be the one that called the cops on her own kids. You know how it goes. Sleep is something that we really want. And it's a condition that once we've arrived in, we want to stay there. There was a man one time who was walking down the street. He saw a big house, and it was on fire. Smoke was pouring out of the windows. And he ran up on the porch, and he shouted, fire, fire, is anyone in there? Fire. He didn't hear anyone or see anyone, but it looked like a house that was habited, habitated or dwelt in. <laughs> he opened the door and he yelled inside, fire! Is anyone in there? The house is on fire! He stepped inside to be sure. You know, he wants me to get burned up in there. He's so close. So he stepped inside the door a few feet and shouted again, fire, fire! And finally, he heard a voice from one of the doorways. 
was a little small woman standing there, coughing and leaning against the doorpost. And he ran over to her and grabbed her. Because she was small, he picked her up and carried her out. He got outside in the, in the driveway and he said, Why didn't you leave the house? Didn't you know it was burning down around you? Why didn't you listen to my voice? You know what she said? I was asleep. I didn't know the house was on fire. I didn't know I was in danger. Here in this few, these few words of God's word is this one, Awake thou that sleepest. It's great to be asleep. It's wonderful to be asleep, you say. But there is a kind of spiritual sleep that we can be in that makes us, that causes us to be unaware of the danger we're in, to not really know what's going on around us, asleep spiritually. This woman, she was in great danger because she was asleep, and therefore she was unaware of the danger, which made her situation even worse because she didn't know. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Could it be that you yourself are asleep spiritually? Paul here in Ephesians 5 is actually quoting Isaiah. And the term sleep here is used to describe the people of Israel in the Old Testament who were living their lives to the fullest without God, but enjoying themselves, but they were asleep. They were not aware of the true state of their existence before God. Because in Isaiah 45, Isaiah 50, Isaiah 46, Isaiah 60, all those places, God is saying to Israel, who has, is deep into sin, he's saying, stop sinning or I'm going to come and destroy you. Stop sinning or I'm going to come and destroy you. He's saying, wake up to the reality. God has sent Isaiah to say to Israel, wake up, turn from your sins, look to God and be spared, be delivered, be saved. Now, the Old Testament term describes this spiritual sleepness as a state of deadness. Well, of course, we know that sometimes we sleep like the what? Like the dead. Have you ever went to one of your kids and found them asleep and you, you, you're caught short because it looks like they might be dead? And you, you look for breathing. You look for the rise and fall of, the, of their chest. Maybe you look for the spreading of their nostrils. You want to know, if, are they, have they died? This, this hasn't happened in a long time, but I've woken up before in bed with Valerie, you know, and wake up and see her over there, and she's so still. And wonder, I wonder, I wonder what, it will, what it would be like if I woke up and she was dead. If she wasn't there. If her body was there, but her soul gone. I've watched her to see, is she really breathing? Sometimes she's taking, you know, medicine for different colds and stuff, and you never quite know what's going to happen when you take a medicine, do you? You think you know what's going to happen, but sometimes it really zonks you, you know, and you're, it's kind of scary. Sleep asleep. Unaware. Friends, the people around us, even you, may not be aware of your true status with God. You say, well, I'm here at church, so therefore, you know, I know my status. My friends, I went to church every Sunday of my life, and I was ignorant I was unaware of the real danger I was in until the Lord woke me up. And I realized I was a sinner. And I turned to Christ. Just like that lady who's in the burning house. Everything seems fine. You're in the bed. You're all snuggled up. Everything seems good. You took care of everything before you went to sleep. But now you're asleep. You don't want to be awakened out of it. And the fire is just getting closer and closer. The smoke is getting thicker. But you're, and you're not aware. 
of what's going on. If you were aware, you would do something. You could be here this morning, and for the first time in your life, you are maybe being awakened to your spiritual reality. And the reality is that you are not a Christian. It's that you need Jesus. My friend, you're in danger. And I'm here today to try to wake you up, even with this crazy graphic up here. Wake up! For four reasons. Wake up. Because you're unconscious and unaware of the dangers. You've got to pay attention. Wake up because there is real danger. There is the danger of eternal hellfire is real. Wake up because being asleep spiritually, being asleep in your sins means you're comfortable and happy there, but you're, you're in danger. Just because you're happy doesn't mean you're okay. You may be asleep and you're enjoying the dream of your life. You think everything's great, but dreams aren't real, are, are they? You ever had a dream that you woke up from and you wished it was real? You ever had a dream you woke up from and you're, thank God, that was a dream? Dreams, a false reality. You like being asleep. Everybody likes to be unaware of what's going on in the world around them. Everybody likes to be asleep spiritually because the flesh likes it. To be disconnected. When's the last time you went down to, the, to Walmart or someplace with a lot of people and looked around at those people and thought, every one of these people is a soul and that soul's going somewhere forever? Heaven or hell? As you, drive, as you drive around town, see, in the summertime now, all these little kids running around here doing stuff. Doing stuff they shouldn't be doing and doing stuff that you wish you could be doing. They all got souls. They're going somewhere. We like to just ignore that and think, ah, well, you know, it's not my concern. I mean, I'm asleep over here. I don't care what's going on over there. Sleep. Friends, we have to wake up. I want to say to some of you here this morning, probably you need to wake up. Because with every passing minute, you are drawing closer to the end of life. Closer and closer to the doorstep of eternity. As an unbeliever, you are sleepily stumbling down the road to hell as an unbeliever. You're going to go to hell. And you're heading towards it every day. And because you're asleep, you're not aware of it. You're just groggily making your way down the hall. Instead of finding a kitchen, you're going to find a horrible place. The furnace of God's wrath. I'm talking to you. Awake, O sleeper. Awake, thou that sleepest. You see, I'm trying to be like the man who saw the burning house. I can see there is danger here, and I'm knocking on your door. I'm not knocking on your neighbor's door. I'm knocking on your door. I'm on your doorstep, knocking on the door. And you may respond to say, I'm not interested. I don't need any help. But you do need help. You do need a Savior. You do need Jesus. You do need repentance from your sins. You do need to know what's going on. You might be the brightest bulb in the pack. You might be the most intelligent person. You might be tougher than 10 men or women. But my friend, you cannot save yourself. You cannot save yourself. There's no way possible you can do it. You cannot save yourself. 
You may say, well, you know, I, I don't need religion. Religion is for the weak and for the foolish. You know what? As a, as a young Christian, I would have said, no, it's not. Those of us who are Christians, we are the strong ones. <laughs> but the reality of it is, of course, religion is for the weak and the foolish. I am weak. I am a foolish person. I need someone beyond me. I need someone wiser than me. I need someone more glorious than me. I need Jesus. I need him bad. I need him to think for me. I need him to talk for me. I need him to take me in his arms and save me. I need him to help me. But we're stubborn. We don't want to say we need Jesus. I got myself into this trouble. I'll get myself out of it. You ever had that thought? I'm going to ask for help. Instead of asking for help, because if I ask for help, that means I messed up or I, you know, I did the wrong thing. I'm going to do this myself. But we need Jesus. Religion is for the weak and the foolish. It's for you and I. We cannot save ourselves. You see, my friends, in order to escape the final day of judgment, to, in order to escape hell, means you have to be perfectly righteous and holy in every deed, word, and action. Now, you can be pretty good. Now, I, I, we, we, we've raised these children of ours. And, you know, sometimes they do things they shouldn't do. And you say, hey, stop doing that. If you do it again, you know what you're going to get. And they can do pretty good for about a day, a week. But what happens? They, they forget. You ever had your boss come down and talk to you wherever you're working at? He tightens you up, <laughs> winds you up. And says, look, you got you to do better. If you don't do better, you're going to be out of here. you got to take only 15-minute breaks. <laughs> you got to be here on time. And on time doesn't mean start time. It means at least a minute or two before start time. Because if you're here at 8 o'clock and you clock in at 8 o'clock for your start time, you're not going to go right to work. You're going to spend the next 10 minutes doing what? <laughs> getting your lunchbox put in the refrigerator, being sure the vacation schedule is right. You know, all these things you're going to be doing. You're, you're not going to get in there and work. And so, man, he tightens you up. He says, now, look, you've got to do better or else. It gives you that. You're out of here, 86. And what do you do for the next day? Next day, what time are you there? Well, if you're like some of us, probably 8 o'clock, <laughs> just like always. <laughs> oh, you'll be there just a few minutes early. You won't act like you care. But you'll, you'll care a little bit, and then you'll fall back into your old ways. And I've been married for you know, a long time, and Valerie will say, oh, tell me I'm doing something, but you know, you're hurting her feelings or bothering her, and, and I'll say, okay, I'll do better. And I try to do better. But what happens to me? Fall back into my old ways. I've, I've had this conversation with God so many times. Lord, I'm so sorry for that sin that I committed. Lord, I'll never do it again. Please help me never do it again. You ever prayed a prayer like that? Some sin you're struggling with? And what, what happens? I have found that within the hour, I found myself going from, my, from the place of prayer to the place of sin. Because it's pervasive. There's no way you can be righteous or holy enough on your own. You need the righteousness of Jesus. You need a Savior. You need Jesus. You may say, well, I, I don't know, man. I'm pretty dadgum good. 
I have got myself squared away here. You don't really know what you're dealing with when you're talking to me. I am, you know, I'm really good. Here's a test for you. Do you love God with all of your being? All of your heart, mind, and soul? Do you love God so much that you're more concerned about reading and praying than eating and drinking? Is God, do you love God with all of your being? So much that you that your hobbies are God. Your cell phone doesn't have any app except Bible app. The only songs you ever sing are songs of worship to God. Take um, that's what I mean. All your heart, mind, and soul. So that's the first test. The second test. Now, now here, here's here's a here's a real test of if you love God or not. Are you here worshiping the Lord and only thinking about God right now? Or have you already thought about the things you're going to do afterwards? Have you already wondered what the score is? Have you already wondered about something else? Well, if you have, guess what? You failed. The second one is this. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Now I want this side to look over here at that side. And that side, look at that side. Now look back up here. <laughs> now, do you love those people like you love yourself? At home, yesterday, Valerie, she said, I got a surprise for you. When I got home, I wonder what this surprise is going to be. It's a king-size Fifth Avenue candy bar. I like Fifth Avenues a lot. It's my favorite candy bar. I don't see them around that often. Somewhere or another, on the black market, <laughs> she came up with this king-size Fifth Avenue candy bar, it's at home right now. And I thought about eating it last night, but I said, no, sir. I'm going to eat that tomorrow after the morning service. Give me something to look forward to. I almost ate it for breakfast. And I thought, well, I could just eat half of it. But you know what? When we get home, Valerie might say, I'd really love to have a bite of that Fifth Avenue candy bar. I'll probably give it to her. <laughs> but I ain't giving it to you. I ain't giving it to Brian. I ain't giving it to Mary. I definitely ain't giving it to Darren. He laughed at me. Couldn't get the right tune for that song. But if I really love, if I really loved you as myself, I'd be like, hey, man, my Fifth Avenue, your Fifth Avenue. My house is your house. My car is your car. My keys are your keys. My guns are your guns. As myself, never keeping score with you, always giving you as much grace as I give myself. That's what it means to love your, that's the law of God. Now, I'm going to tell you how you guys just did on that test. You failed. Because, because it's not a test where you can get 50% and pass. It's 100%. It's 100%. So you need Jesus. But even if you did, but even if you did keep the law of God perfectly, even if you did love God with every, all your might, if you did love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to Romans 3.20. By the deeds of the law shall no flesh 
be justified. Even your perfect obedience ain't enough. You need Jesus. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Now, the way this structure is like Paul says, even we, even I, the apostle, even we, the apostles, even we have believed in Jesus, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. See, it is for the weak. We cannot do it. Even if you could do it, that's not the appointed way of salvation. Salvation is gotten through Jesus. Now, my friends, in the life that you are living now, there are sins. And these sins are proof that you have no hope without God, that you have no hope before God. God's eye is discriminating and judgmental. He knows what true righteousness is. And you commit sin. You lie to people. You steal. You look at things on the internet that you shouldn't look at. You are the kind of person who would kill your best friend to get what they've got if you could get by with it. People are sinful. You say, well, I don't do any of those things. You do some of them. I, I was talking to somebody one time, and they said, I've never wanted to kill anybody in my whole life. I said, you ain't lived long enough yet. <laughs> You ain't been through nothing. <laughs> we, we are sinners. But you know what the thing about it is? is You could tell somebody, hey, you're a sinner, and they'll still say, yeah, but I'm still good enough to go to heaven. They still think they are righteous. This is man's big problem. Man thinks he is self-righteous, but he's not self-righteous. He is unrighteous. You have no righteousness before God. You're naked before him. He knows what you really are. He sees your heart. You can fake me out. You can fool me. Been fooled. Will be fooled again. God will not accept you on your merits. He will only accept you on the merits of Jesus. So you need to wake up to that reality. You need a Savior, and you need Him right now. You don't need Him five years from now. You don't need Him when you're old and decrepit. You don't need Him when you're about to go through some cataclysmic, horrible thing. What you need is Jesus, and you need Him right now. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you're sitting here this morning, right now you can call out to Jesus, and Jesus will give you the righteousness you need. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why should I do it right now? Why can't I wait? How come you guys are always in such a big hurry? Now, 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 now. I think this is probably the prevailing thought of teenagers towards their parents sometimes. Do this. Okay. Now. 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 Why now? Because I said now. You know. But it doesn't change when, you know, it's just not just teenagers, is it? It's us grown folks, too. Valerie will say, we take out the trash? Yeah. Half hour later, 
Will you take out the trash? You asked me to take out the trash. I said I would, but you ain't done it yet. <laughs> we don't like to be rushed. Think about that. We don't like to be rushed. We're, we're, we're so obstinate that even though I'm here telling you Jesus is a Savior, you need Jesus, you can't save yourself, believe on him now, inside your heart is something that says, I ain't going to do it now. I'll wait. When the apostle Paul was before King Agrippa, he told him the gospel, and Paul said, believe and be saved, and Agrippa said, almost you persuaded me to be a Christian. I'll call for you when I have a more convenient season. I'll call for you on a better day. Today's not a good day. My friends, now is the moment of salvation. Now is the time. Look to Jesus and be saved now. James 4.14 says, You do not know what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. I was riding around in a FedEx truck this week with this guy, and he had one of those, uh, one of those vapor things, vaping. This will be the third time I bring it up. Leslie, Leslie has noticed. This dude, <laughs> he, was, he was vaping some kind of banana-flavored stuff. It smelled so good. I was like breathing in my mouth. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was thinking in my mind. I didn't say do it. <laughs> but it was just, it was just, it just, it hung around, man. You ever seen somebody vape and they, they just, it was just, I was, we were riding along and all of a sudden I smelled banana. And I was like, is he chewing banana gum? It just, it was there filling the cab of that truck. And then guess what? That's what your life is. It appears for a little while and gone. I guess it's part of when you reach middle age. So I hope 46 is middle age. I hope it's middle age and not three-quarter age. <laughs> or two-thirds age or nine-sixteenths or whatever. Nine-sixteenths is the same as middle age. <laughs> but you start to realize how brief life is. Just yesterday. Life is brief. But here we are. We're right here, right now. God has sent me here to preach this message, and God has sent you here to hear it. You say, well, I'm saved. I don't really need this message. If you're saved, you need it just like everybody else because you need to hear the truth. You need to be reminded of what you got through Jesus. That way you can worship him. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you need him. I'm here to tell you that you need him. As good as life can be, it won't last forever. There's a final reckoning day. If you keep on rejecting and refusing, you will go to hell just like you deserve. That's the thing we don't, we don't like to think about. Deserve. Deserve. 2 Timothy 4.1, Paul said, Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. There's a day coming when Jesus will be on the throne of judgment. The holy human, the sinless man, judging man. That's why we don't like to be judged by other people because we feel like they're not as good as us. Who are you to judge me, you say? You've never walked in my shoes, never lived my life. How can you judge me? You don't know me. But Jesus does. And all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, the holy man. And that holy human is going to take the throne of judgment in the last day.
he's going to judge. But he hasn't taken the seat of judgment yet. He's not taking the seat of judgment yet. He's still in the seat of Savior. He's not in the judging business yet. He's in the saving business right now. And he'll save sinners. That's all he'll save is sinners. He is right now the Savior of all who look to him for salvation. No matter what horrible sin you have committed, dreamed of committed, fantasized about committing, no matter what horrible sin, he will wash you clean and make you holy, give you his own righteousness. You know, people get focused on individual sins. Lying, thieving, sexual sins. But the truth is, the level of your sins or the quantity of your sins is not the issue. The issue is unrighteousness. That's why you can say to a 10-year-old kid who hasn't hardly done anything, trust in Jesus or you will go to hell. What's a 10-year-old kid done to deserve to go to hell? There's some really bad 10-year-olds out there in the world. Remember the Jonesboro shooters? Those guys were 9, 10 years old. Remember the Jonesboro school shooting? They rang the fire alarm at the school and shot the people as they come out. 9, 10-year-old kids. I mean, there are some bad 10-year-olds. But a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old needs Jesus, not because of the quantity of their sins, but because they are sinners. They're unrighteous. They need Jesus. Look to Jesus and be saved. See, what Jesus did was he came to cleanse the unrighteous and to give them perfect righteousness. What it requires to get that righteousness is to recognize your unrighteousness, see what you are, and look to him. Faith in Christ. Trusting him to save you. That's Romans 3, it's Romans 4, it's Romans 5. What I'm saying to you this morning is wake up and believe. Wake up and believe. Wake up! The house is on fire. It's burning down. But I'm beating on the door. I'm inside your house. I'm looking for you. I'm calling into each bedroom. Fire! Come out, wake up. I'm, I'm calling to you. And all you got to do to be saved is say, here I am. <laughs> Here I am. Jesus is the Savior. He's the one who saves. Saves by faith in him. Now, to your human mind, it's going to seem crazy. Do you mean that by putting my confidence in Jesus, I will be saved? Yes. 100% yes. Faith. Resting in Jesus and nothing else. Jesus the Savior. Awake to righteousness. Awake thou that sleepest, and Christ shall give thee light. Let's pray together.
Father, we pray that you bless these words to our hearts. In Christ's holy name we ask it. Save every sinner we know. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing 392.